How are you doing? That sounds pretty good. Hey, what we are doing for five weeks is we will be answering questions. And the question that I'm going to answer today actually came in in about three or four different ways, but basically it was the same question. And that is, how do I know what God's will is? How do I know what God's will for my life is? What is God's will? So I want to answer that question today. I want to answer it in two different ways. I want to actually lay out a pretty simple formula theologically, and then what I want to do is I, I want to give us some practical things, and I believe with all my heart that at the, at the end of this morning, there will be more clarity for you and for me as to what God's will is. I also believe with every ounce of breath in me that finding God's will is the absolute best thing that you can do with your life. And it's the best thing that I can do with my life. So let's just dive right in here. Let's look at James chapter 4. Now, before we even go there, James, the brother of Jesus, okay, grew up with Jesus. Think about this. When Jesus was 12 years old, mom and dad forgot him. They went on a trip and they forgot him, left him, and he was back in the synagogue. Two days, two days into this journey, they remember, uh-oh, where's Jesus? Now, we did that here once. We actually, Karen and I went home, and I, who did we leave here, Wes or Julia? You think it was Julia? And one of you guys called us and, 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 let, and reminded us that we forgot one of our children, right? Um, so, so Joseph and Mary are headed home. Two days later, I feel a whole lot better about myself. Two days later, they realize, where's Jesus? They find out that he is back in the synagogue having discussions with the Bible teachers and, and, and with, with, with the, the religious leaders. And he's giving them clarity. James grew up with, you had to know that growing up with Jesus had to be difficult. It's like having that older brother who knows everything or older brother who always responds right in, in every way, right? So, so the, he, James grew up with Jesus. But James... Even after, even after everything that was going on with Christ, James never became a follower of Christ until after the resurrection. He watched his brother nailed to a cross. This was a horrible death. It's the worst kind of a death that you could have in that culture and in that society. James watched his brother get nailed to a cross, watched his mother standing at the foot of the cross, Tears running down her face. And James watched Jesus get crucified and die and put in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. From that point forward, James not only looked at Jesus as his older brother, but referred to Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. So that's who's talking here. That's whose passage of Scripture I want to read. And, and look what he says here. He gives, us, he gives us clear instruction and perspective. He says, now listen, you who say 
Today or tomorrow we will go and we'll do this or we'll go to that city and we'll spend a year there and we'll carry on business and we'll make money. And then he, then he says this, which I alluded to last week. He says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then it vanishes. You, you are like that puff of steam that comes out of the teapot when it heats up to a certain point for a while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. I grew up in a home where that was the way my father talked. My father would say things like, you know, Lord willing, on Thursday, we'll go out to Aunt Ruthie's house. Or, or Lord willing, in two weeks, we will go. And, we, and that was a part of the way he talked all the time. That, that phrase was always dropped right in there. And James refers to this. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. We have our will. God has his will. Our will starts at, at, at a young age. It's like, should I play t-ball? Should I play soccer? You know, we, we have our desires and, and we have our will. Or should I go to this school? Should I go to that? Should I take this job? Should I take that job? Should, should, should I marry this guy or should I marry that guy? And the guys are thinking, should I marry this girl or should I marry that guy? And, and you gotta, you're comparing. Which, which one? And then when you get married, should we, should we have kids right away or should we wait? Or how many kids should we have? Should we have one or should we have 12? And for some of us, the decisions are, should I go to Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme? You know, it's, we have decisions that we make. All, all, or, and then if you're married, it's, well, should, should we buy or should we rent? Or should we get a dog or should we get a cat? That's not even a question. All dogs go to heaven. There's no movie about cats. No movie about cats. No, nothing there. Speaking of animals, look what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep know my voice. Not only do my sheep know my voice, they respond to it. And when you look in the original language, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that in the context of, and they ignore the other voices. And they don't follow the other, they don't pay attention to the other voices. My sheep know my voice. So what's, what's God's will? That's a great question. It, it really is. And there are bad methods to finding out God's will. There's one called the fleece. You put out a fleece. In other words, so if, if it rains today, God, then that means yes. And if it doesn't rain, that means no. I don't think that's a great idea. Now, now it was used in Scripture, and then maybe you want to go, go, go look at that and read that, because that context was was a whole lot safer. But then there are some people that will pick up their Bible and they'll say, Lord, what is it you, what is it you want me to do here? I, and they'll open up their Bible and they'll point. And, and I know it, it, there's a guy who did that and he 
pointed and it was First Chronicles and look what it said. It says this, so uh, Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved them, cut off their garments at the buttocks. And he thought, well, that can't be right, Lord, you got to give me some clarity. So he opened up his Bible again and he pointed and it was Luke and it was Luke and it said this, Jesus says, go thou and do likewise. So, so this, this, this flipping point thing is probably not the best way to go. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Could be an embarrassing thing. Is God's will broad? Is it narrow? Is there, just, is there this one person that I'm supposed to marry and all the rest of them would be wrong? And if I make a decision, how does it affect other people? The scripture says that, that it's appointed unto man once to die. So we live with this philosophy, well, when it's your time, it's your time, right? What if it's the pilot's time? Whole new door opens up. Whole new discussion happens here. It affects others. What is God's will? L let's look at theology for a moment. And what I decided, the more I thought about this subject, the more I wanted to make an analogy. And my analogy is golf. Now, all analogies break down at some point. So don't try and carry this to, to completion, okay? We play golf, we play, about, we play 18 holes of golf. Think, think of life as like a game of, a game of golf. With the first hole, you, you drop your ball, uh, you set your ball up on the tee, right? And, and you take your first shot. Now, I'm, I'm pretty good, so I think that I can get it over all of your heads. No, I'm not going to do that. I've read our insurance policy. I wouldn't dare do that. But life can be like a game of golf. You, you start at the tee, and you hit the ball, and your goal is to get to the green with the cup and the pin, but between the tee... And the cup and the pin is the fairway. The fairway is a big deal. And you get to do this 18 times. So from the time you're born to the time you die, let's just say there are 18 different things in there that you go through. And, and, and we, we get up in the morning and we go to sleep in the evening and God gives us opportunity after opportunity with our lives. But that fairway is a big deal because you know what? In the fairway, the grass is short. It's, it's easier to hit your shot when you're in the fairway. It's easier as, you walk through, as we walk through the day and we walk through our lives making our decisions. Every decision is a shot. And we, and we make them, when we make them in the fairway, let's just call the will of God the fairway where we get to make our decisions. Listen, when you hit that ball off in the rough, let me tell you, it can really be rough in the rough. First of all, the, the grass is always taller. Sometimes the weeds are crazy tall. Sometimes there are rocks there. Sometimes there are trees there. There are times, if you've played golf with me, you know that you end up in the rough often enough. And, and, and you have to hit the ball 
Sometimes you have to hit the ball backwards because there's no clear shot forward to get back on the fairway. But you want to get back on the fairway because it's on the fairway that you have the best chance of hitting the ball well. You just want to be there. When you get off the fairway, there's water. There's sand traps. I've spent plenty of times in sand traps. There are even rocks. You want to be on the fairway. You want to be where the decisions are easier. You want to be where it's easier to hit the ball. So the first step is let's focus on the fairway. Let's focus on the God's will zone. Think about the fairway like this. In terms of theology. On the one side, with this fairway, there are two things that really can help keep you on that fairway. And on the one side, it's the sovereign will of God. On this side of the fairway, you've got the sovereign will of God. It's, it's what, what God is doing on the earth. It, it's, it's everything that He's got going on on the earth. And, and that's, that's right alongside you, keeping you on this fairway. In other words, am I cooperating with what God is doing on the earth? And God's will for our lives is never outside of His sovereign will. The fairway is always where God's will is and it is on the inside of His sovereign will. And the better I understand His sovereign will, the better I can understand His will for my life. He gives us clarity there. Jesus, when He was teaching us how to pray, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He prayed that even before he prayed, give us this day our daily bread. The first thing that he prayed was that, that we would be in his will. So God's sovereign will, what he's doing on this earth, is on one side of the fairway. On the other side of the, fa of the fairway is the moral will of God. And that is what God has already said in His Word. So on this side of the fairway, we have the moral will of God. On this side of the fairway, we have the sovereign will of God. And the two of those, as we apply them in our lives, they will keep us right where He wants us. And we need to know what He's doing. We also need to know what he has already said. We need to know both of these. And he never, he never wants something for his children that is outside of that. He wants us to stay inside of that. He wants us to be making decisions easily. The decisions that are good for us and helpful for us. And there are, there are so many examples in Scripture. All through Scripture, there are examples of this. There's one in 1 Thessalonians where, where he gives us clarity on sex. He, he tells us clearly that, that his design for sex between a man and a woman in marriage is inside the context of marriage. 
And when he shares it, the, the, the Greek word that, that he points to is, is actually uh, pornea, which we get our word pornography from. And, and that's, it's not on the fairway. It is in the rough. Getting back on the fairway is a big deal. And then there's the personal will of God. The personal will of God. In other words, what God desires for my life. What God desires for your life. It's personal. As a matter of fact, on the side of your notes, write down Psalm 139. So you're going to want to read that. In your time together, you're just going to, because that psalm just lays out so clearly. That's what all the days of my life ought to be like. Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Do, do your will in my life. So if you take those and you put them together, you get a pretty simple but clear theology. And I put it right there in your notes. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God, and the more I get to know the moral will of God, in other words, what he has already written in his word, the clearer I will see the personal will of God for my life. He, he gives us clear instruction here. Now let's jump to the personal application. In 1 John chapter 4, look, look what John writes. Dear friends, I do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, we hear this word spirit, and it kind of sounds mystical, and we're, we're not really sure what it means, but, but, but when we are followers of Christ and His Holy Spirit is living us inside of us, we are sensitive to the promptings of His Holy Spirit. But maybe to break it down even simpler than that, Instead of the word spirit, how about using the word impressions? The, 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 the thoughts that we have, the, 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 the thinking that comes to us. I'm, maybe I think I should. He says, test that. Don't just go with it, test it. In terms of, in terms of God's will for our, our lives, let me just throw two more questions at you. They're not even in your notes. I, I, I thought of this late last night. There are two questions that maybe if we're talking about the will of God in our lives, maybe we ought to ask these questions first. And the first one is, am I doing or, or what am I doing that I should not be doing? How about that? In terms of being in His will, in my life, what am I doing that I should not be doing. How about that one? And if there's something going on in your life that fits that category, you already know. The, minute, the moment I finished that question, you knew. So maybe that's a place to start. Let, let me go someplace else then real quickly. What, what am I not doing that I should be doing? In other words, maybe you've been coming here to Camelback for two years and, and, you, and you still haven't moved forward in, in what you're doing in your life and your relationship with Him. I absolutely love our dream team. Over a third of our church on Sunday mornings throughout the course of the month is serving. They're involved serving. They are applying this in their life. They're saying, I recognize God's will, His sovereign will, and, and I, I, I want to be a part of that. And, and they're doing that. 
We're doing it in guest services. We're doing it in children's ministry. We're doing it in all kinds of... Everything happens on this campus because of our dream team. That's you, serving. I want to challenge you. If you're not doing that, if you are serving, especially if you're serving in the area that God has shaped you for, you, you're in, you are in his will. You will have more clarity in your life if you are doing that. You will feel closer to God in your relationship with him if that's what you're doing. Because you're aligning your life with what he is already doing. And that's what we're talking about this morning. That's what this whole subject is about. Camelback is your home and you've been here for a while and, you're, and you're, not, you're not serving or you're not in the life group, let me encourage you, do it. If you're brand new, this is your first time, relax. You don't, you, there's, there's no race going on here. Just, just keep allowing your time with him to be here. Take the journey as soon as you can. See, we go through life and, and we make all these decisions about school. Should we move? Should we not move? Should I take this job or that job or God? Please find me a job. Should I marry her and marry him? In, in, in testing, if, let's jump to the practical. And let, I'll go right through these six things because here's the reality. I can almost write you a guarantee. If you're willing to do these six things, you will live your life on the fairway. You will live your life in the will of God. And it's not that hard. He desires this for his children. That's us. The first thing I want you to write down is, am I in a good relationship with God? Start there. We make small decisions. We make big decisions in life. We make them daily when Karen and I were in Florida and we recognized that God had something else for us, we just waited and, and we were sensitive to, to what he, where he wanted us to go. And when the opportunity, we thought it was somewhere else before this opportunity, and, and he made it so clear. And we knew in making this decision, we knew that th- we didn't know what was ahead for us, but we knew this is where he wanted us. And even a number of years ago with our church board and answering the questions that the board had for me, frankly, I, I, my first response was no because I had not prayed about it. So, so I, I wasn't even applying this fully in my life. And then Karen challenged me on that and we began praying about it. And, and th- then, the, then God gave me clarity beyond what I thought. Ah, the fairway, guys. It's a big deal. Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says this, Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I talk about this often, because that's a big deal. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. 
when he talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, this is the sucker he's talking about. He's talking about his word. Be transformed by renewing your... In other words, take your old thinking out and replace it with my thinking, he says. Test and, and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know what that is? That's the fair way. The best place to be taking your shots. So am I in a good relationship with God? Number two, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible... When you're at a decision point about something, what does the Bible say about that? What, what does it have to say? I listened to a pastor recently who was talking about a, 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 a woman who came to him and, and she, she was getting ready to marry a guy who was not a believer. We, we used to call that missionary dating. That's what we used to call it. And, and, it, and, it, and you know, it, it, it always starts out with, well, I knew he wasn't saved, but, but I was pretty sure that I could, over time, I could convince him. And it, now, aside from Rosanna and Adrian, this never works. Now, with, with Rosanna, Rosanna and Adrian, it worked. But you got to know Rosanna to know why it worked. I mean, this is Rosanna we're talking about. There you go. So what does the Bible say about it? And the Bible in 2 Corinthians is very clear. It says not to be unequally yoked. Maybe slow the dating down. Maybe back off from this whole subject of marriage for a while. Ah, but James, things are different now and and, you know, look what Jesus has to say in Luke 21. He says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass. Everything is going to change. So just expect it, he says. But my words will never change. My words will never change. You know what we follow here, Camelback? We follow his word. We don't follow the culture. We follow this, the word of God. Not the internet, not social media, this baby. The third thing is what would Jesus do? A number of years ago, we, we would wear rubber bracelets that said WWJD. And they were cool little bracelets, but more importantly, they were reminders. As we walked through the day, there was this reminder on our wrist. Well, wait a minute, what would Jesus do? A couple of guys are going out after work and, 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 and they, they just want to get a drink. But, but then, then it steps even farther and, 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 and maybe, maybe let's go to this other place where there's a whole lot more going around and, and going on and, and, and then that bracelet reminds you, well, wait a minute, would Jesus go in there? There's a little bit more clarity there. What would Jesus do? Let's go back to James, the brother of Jesus, and look what he has to say about this, because he digs into it in a whole other, deeper way. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. He's, he really... It's, he says it's, it's not spiritual, it's earthly, but 
But much of it is even demonic, James says. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. In other words, it grows into practical application. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. God's wisdom is pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, has great results. It's impartial and it's sincere. It's the fair way. You're on the fairway. You're in the will of God. When you're on the fairway, I'll tell you, when you get off the fairway, there are sand traps. I spent too much time in sand traps. I hit too many balls in the water. I'd get into the rough and try and hit out of the rough, and my ball would hit the tree and go further in the rough. I'm, a, I'm not a good golfer. Dave Ramsey made me feel better this week. Wes, we were at, a, we were at a, a conference, and Wes and I were, after, we, after the event, we were down at one of, the, one of these tables here, and we're, Wes and I are just standing there talking, and, and Dave walks up, and he's talking. To, he just started talking to the two of us. We got into conversation about our church. We got into conversation about our school. We talked about a whole bunch of things. We talked about Christ Fellowship, who he knows well, and we came out of that. And we just, our conversation went on, and, and then, then it got to golf. And when Dave described his golf game, he made me feel good. He admitted that there are times when he swings at the ball, he totally misses the ball. I felt so good when he said that. Impartial and sincere. On the fairway. Number four. Looking for godly counsel. Do I take time to look for God, to seek out godly counsel? When you play golf, if you play golf with people who are better than you, you learn more. You learn how to hit the ball right. Just watching them helps you. And when people are better than you, you're, you're in this game and you're with people that you care about and they care about you and, and they're willing to coach you and, 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 coach, and, and challenge you and, and encourage you. Proverbs eleven fourteen. for lack of guidance, a nation falls. A nation falls. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. Church, many of us this week, we're going to get to our life group. So if you're not in a life group, you want to get in a life group. But we're going to get to our life groups. So we're going to take these notes from this morning with us to our life groups, and we're going to sit in a circle, and we're going to talk about these six points, and, and we're going to discuss how we can apply these more in our lives so that we together as a church family are on the fairway where it's easier to hit the ball. It's easier to make your decisions in life. Number five, do I have God's peace? All through the Bible, all through the Bible, so clearly it's written. It says God speaks in his, in his still, small voice. 
all through his word, he, he whispers to us in his still, small voice. And guys, our, sometimes our wives are better at this than us. Our, our, our women have an intuition sometimes that, that we want to ignore. And every time we do, we get burnt and we know it. 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. When you're on the fairway, when you're in the will of God, you're making decisions based on the two things that you know, his sovereign will, his moral will, his word, his Holy Spirit living inside you. It's not that far out. It is a practical life that he desires for his children. And oh, by the way, that's us. You know, I, I listened to a pastor just recently who a woman came to him and, 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 and shared with him what she was getting ready to do. She was getting ready to leave her husband and her children because she found a new relationship on the tennis court. And she said to him, I, I have a peace about it. God's will for your life and for my life is never outside of his sovereign will and his moral will. She didn't really have his peace about it. Which brings up number six. Is it my will or is it God's will? Is it what I want or is it what he wants? Listen, as mature believers... Those of us who've, who've even been around following Christ for a while, we know that as we start our day, we're headed into our day. Throughout the day, there are going to be decisions. There are going to be opportunities. There are going to be desires that we all have. But are, are they in the context of His will? Are they in the context of His personal will for me? We have opportunities. We have desire. Even as a church, our church leadership team, our church board, we, we have, with opportunities and desires, are, are they in the context of His will for us? Jesus had to deal with this in a big way. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, going a little farther, this is Jesus right before the cross, right before He's getting ready to have His body ripped apart, and go through, go through six illegal trials because all of them were at night. And it was illegal, both Jewish and Roman laws, it was illegal to have trials at night. And yet they did it six times. Not once, but six. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me. He knows he's going to the cross. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And this battle was huge. Church, in any way, we can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Yet not as I will, 
but as you will. Some of us really don't want God's will. We want him to bless our will. That's what we want. Or we would say, God, I want what you want if. Or I want what you want but. Or God, I I want what you want when. And, And we have our conditions. But what's our goal? God, I want what you want. Period. Surrendering our will to his will will bring real peace. I'm talking about the peace that passes all understanding, the desires that God has for our lives, which are so far beyond our thinking. But here's what I know about you, because I know this about me, and that is that we are not very good at organizing our own lives. I don't know about you, But if I organize my life, I just don't do a great job of it. And he is unbelievably good at it. And he's God. He doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't get fooled by anything because he knows everything. See, salvation is putting our lives in his hands. Here's what I know about our church, guys. Our greeters, when you came in this morning, they greeted you. And you know what they want for you? They want God's best for you. And they want God's best for themselves. If you dropped your kids in children's ministries, they're serving. They want God's best and God's will for their lives. And they want God's best for your children's lives. And our student ministries, they want the leaders in our student ministries in junior high and high school, they're involved there because they want God's best and God's will in their lives, and they want that for your students too. And by the way, you hit it out of the park last week. We're sending all of our kids to camp that want to go. All of them. All paid for. Because that's who we are. Stand with me this morning. Let me pray with you. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never said, Lord, I want your will for my life, not mine, it's really as simple as acknowledging who He is. I say this every Sunday. It's recognizing that Jesus was the Son of God He came here to earth to die for your sins and my sins, took our sins on him. Willingly, they didn't take his life, he willingly laid his life down. They nailed him to a cross. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Even his brother called him his Lord and his Savior. And he wants to be your Savior. By simply believing that, you don't, even have, you don't even have to put your hand up. You don't have to pray a prayer. You just have to believe that. It's all you got to do. And you know what that does? That makes you what we call saved. 
That takes you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That takes you and that puts you in his family, in our family. You're one of his children now. You're our brother or our sister by simply believing that. And if you do that this morning, I want you to, when you leave, I want you to tell somebody. Tell us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us, for caring for us. Thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. And thank you, Father, for those here in this room who this morning believed in you with every head bowed, every eye closed, just for me. This is not for any other reason, but just so that I know. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you, if you took that step and believed this morning, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Yes, I see that. Yes, yes. Lord, thank you so much. God, we worship you. We celebrate. We celebrate our family getting larger. We celebrate heaven getting fuller. We love you. We look forward to all that you have for us this day. And we live this day in, honor, in worship to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.